Hello, you are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. The following recording is intended solely for the use of blind, visually impaired, and print format disabled individuals. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith, amateur radio operator W0NX. This week we continue with articles from the June 2021 The Spectrum Monitor and we'll begin by completing the remainder of The Shortwave Listener by Fred Waterer, RSI, TSWR, OTR, and Canada. BRI is also streamed simultaneously on the internet at WRMI.net. The program features both classic and new blues music. BRI will also broadcast recordings of live performances from the Blues Music Awards, the premier musical event sponsored by the Blues Foundation, and recordings of live performances. You never quite know what you might hear on Uncle Bill's Melting Pot, hosted by Bill Tilford. You can hear it on UTC Sundays via WBCQ, 7,490 kilohertz, at 2200. Bill teases about some intriguing guests in June. Bill also hosts From the Isle of Music. He informs me that June will be exciting for FTIOM because it will be featuring some winners of Cuba Disco, Cuba's equivalent of the Grammy Awards. Listen in the Americas and parts of Europe, Tuesday, 0100 to 0100, on WBCQ, 7,490 kilohertz from Monticello, Maine. And Bill has another program coming up on July 1st in North America, July 2nd by UTC. At 0200 UTC on 6,160 and 7,490 kilohertz, in honor of Canada's National Day on July 1st, we present... Canada Day, co-hosted by, well, me. Since Radio Canada International is no longer broadcasting on the short waves, Bill thought it might be a good idea to try to fill that void, if even for just an hour. Bill approached me a few months ago, and I thought it would be a blast. Fred Waterer, a genuine Canadian, and Uncle Bill Tilford, an American who is frequently mistaken for one, will present Canada Day, an affectionate salute to the occasion with music, fun facts, and stories on WBCQ The Planet, which is right next door to Canada. It should be a fun hour with a variety of well-known and obscure Canadian music and comedy, fun facts, and stories about the country that year after year is named the best country in North America, north of the United States, not counting the surprise victory by Greenland in 1921. Of course, as befits the occasion, a very Canadian EQSL card will be available. The BBC World Service is no longer heard around the clock on short wave, but it can be heard at various times. One of the most unusual sources is via the relay in Madagascar between 0400 and 0600 UTC on 9915 kilohertz. 
Also try 15,400 kilohertz from 1600 to 1900 UTC and 12,095 kilohertz between 2000 and 2200 UTC. Or go to bbc.co.uk forward slash radio for details on all the online audio offerings. The BBC is still my go-to radio station for world events, such as the recent passing of Prince Philip. Some NPR stations, such as WBFO in Buffalo, New York, will carry the world service overnight. Frankly, I often end up listening online. What that method lacks in romance makes up for with better fidelity. Due to the nature of column deadlines, there is rarely a lot of advanced program information. But there are a couple of programs at the end of the month that are really worthwhile. I'm fascinated by the World Service Program Crowd Science. While this episode will have already aired by the time you read this, it is a weekly program well worth a listen. If I called you a bit of a star, I mean it in the best possible way, which is literally. You are a carbon-based life form, and those atoms of carbon in the molecules that make up your cells were formed by a nuclear fusion reaction at the heart of long-dead stars. That goes for the oxygen in your lungs, too. And the red blood cells that carry that oxygen to your tissues? They contain hemoglobin. And nestled at the heart of each molecule is an element, iron, formed by a supernova, a fiery explosion at the death of a star. Your body is a walking, thinking museum of some of the most violent events in the universe. This, as crowd science host Marnie Chesterton discovers, isn't as special as it sounds. All of the stuff on the earth, the elements that make clouds and mountains and mobile phones, they all have an origin story. This episode from the BBC World Service tells that story, Friday, May 21st, 8.30 to 9 p.m. Charting the Border I heard this program on CBC Radio a few years ago. It's quite interesting. The writer Garrett Carr spent the last two years walking the Irish border and creating a new map, the Map of Connections. The border that separates the north and south of Ireland is a place of myth. It's been a symbol of danger and the unknown. But few people know what it actually looks like. Garrett has explored every inch of it and has found a beautiful and strange world of open bogland and unofficial border crossings. Near Derry, he finds a bridge made out of planks. It connects a farmer's property in the south to his son across a stream in the north. In South Armagh, he tries to find a border farm he visited years ago. Only now the farm is eerily derelict, with no sail sprayed on the walls alongside the image of a Kalashnikov. Cross-border movement has quietly happened, unchecked and often unmapped. 
Garrett takes us back over the land and reveals his border crossings, not found on any other map. First broadcast in 2014. Wednesday, May 26th, 2.30 to 3 p.m., BBC Radio 4 Extra. And now, Radio 101 by Ken Reitz, KS4ZR. KS4ZR numeral 1 at gmail.com. An inexpensive field day antenna for all seasons. Each year field day, which this year runs from June 26th to the 27th, presents an opportunity not only to test our operating skills under high-density HF activity, random propagation, and unpredictable weather, but affords a chance to consider our own capabilities when it comes to emergency preparedness. The first part of such preparedness is being able to contend with a lack of commercial power, such as might be experienced in the aftermath of a hurricane, tornado, earthquake, or possible terror attack. We saw firsthand the result of such an attack this spring in the form of the hacking of a major U.S. oil pipeline, chaos at the gas pump. Imagine the problems that could result from a similar attack on this country's electrical grid, or even just part of the grid. Earlier this year, we also saw the result of a weather-induced widespread power outage when unusually cold weather hit the state of Texas. Death, billions of dollars in property damage, the result of burst plumbing pipes, and widespread economic devastation across many economic sectors as a result of a lack of commercial power. We've also seen less widespread, but no less damaging, the results of spring tornadoes in many locations across the southeast and midwest of the U.S. In some cases, amateur response was required to assist in communications. We now sit at the very beginning of the 2021 hurricane season, with already two systems catching the watchful eye of the National Hurricane Center in Miami. So, that's why we have Field Day, to test what works and what doesn't regarding our own ability to set up an emergency radio station, to be able to handle emergency traffic in and out of an afflicted area. Some, including longtime TSM contributor Thomas Witherspoon, K4SWL, have made quite an art to the science of radio communications on the run, with participation in the popular Parks on the Air, POTA, activations. Among the things all of us have learned from Thomas are that there is no best way to set up a portable station and that there are a great number of off-the-shelf solutions to doing so. And anyone who has ever participated in Field Day knows that there is one thing you can count on, expect the unexpected. Full details on this year's Field Day may be found at ARRL.org. Field Day Experiments Throughout the years, I've had a lot of fun setting up odd Field Day stations using items found lying about. In 2010, I sat up on the front deck using a 10-foot piece of aluminum downspout attached to a 20-foot rain gutter. 
Working only 20, 15, and 10 meters over a five-hour period during field day, I made 40 contacts, working stations in 23 states and one Canadian province, with the greatest distance being 1,500 miles. In 2011, I set up a 20-foot aluminum extension ladder. Talk about an easy-up field day antenna. In all, I worked 24 states and two Canadian provinces over a six-hour period, running 10 watts into that extension ladder. I was able to work as far west as Kansas and Texas, over 1,000 miles away, as far north as Nova Scotia, almost 900 miles away, and as far south as Florida, over 800 miles away. I got some pretty good reports with the latter, including one QSO with a ham in Kentucky who reported that I was 10 over S9. The latter was so easy and successful that I used it for the next few field day events. In 2015, I wanted to see what the bare minimum would be that I could get away with for an antenna. So in a box in the electronics closet, I found a roll of magnet wire and a roll of electrical tape, both of which fit conveniently into my shirt pocket. Using a pair of scissors, I made a random length dipole with a magnet wire and used the electrical tape roll as a center connector. I set the antenna up just above the transceiver with less than 10 feet of coax cable from the antenna to the rig. Despite running just 5 watts into a magnet wire antenna no more than 10 feet above the ground, important information was relayed around the U.S. on a random day, with random weather and propagation conditions. I worked stations from Vermont to Florida, Illinois to Texas, and as far away as Stanford, California. The takeaway from this minimal antenna transmitter setup is that Without having to orient the antenna in a particular direction, my signal was able to travel to all points on the compass on 20 meters for successful contacts under very crowded band conditions. A more permanent approach. This year I wanted to try something different. By revisiting an antenna I used when I first set up my ham station over 32 years ago, Unlike the previous years, this is a full-sized, full-featured antenna that can be carried in a cloth grocery bag for easy deployment into the backyard or wilderness. It can also be permanently installed at your QTH for 10 years of maintenance-free operating. The antenna is a variation on the venerable off-center-fed dipole OCFD often referred to as a G5RV, or a Wyndham antenna, the point of which is to have an antenna that is resonant on the popular HF bands 80 through 10 meters. This particular version got the Bob Grove W8JHD treatment back in the 1980s. He put his spin on the construction in an effort to make this antenna work without the use of an outboard antenna tuner. I used this antenna for about 15 years, working the world on 100 watts or less, and featured it in several columns I wrote for the Beginner's Corner in Monitoring Times. 
An illustration shows the construction details of the off-center fed dipole. One side is 44 feet long, the other side is 90 feet long. Both come to a high gain connector. The first section of feed line starting at the high gain connector is 48 and a half feet of 300 ohm twin lead. That terminates in a 4 to 1 ballon. That connects to RG8 coax going to your station. You can purchase an OCF ready-made from several of the usual amateur radio websites from $100 to over $300. I bought the components for this antenna from thewireman.com for a total of $161 plus shipping. Eleven years ago, I made this antenna for about $100. It looks like antenna parts have exceeded the rate of inflation over the last ten years. $100 in 2010 is $123 in today's money. The Grove design called for 300 ohm TVM wire to connect the two legs of the dipole to the 4 to 1 ballon. But TVM wire is harder to come by today, so I used 300 ohm ladder line, which worked well using a WA1FFL ladder lock center connector instead of the high gain connector as seen in the diagram, which is no longer made. You can use anything for end insulators. Your local tractor supply store has them for $9 each. I made mine out of wood from scrap. For antenna wire, I bought 150 feet of 14 gauge flex weave wire. I happen to have a 4 to 1 ballon in the excess accessories box. A new one costs $50 at Wireman. Construction was straightforward. I stripped the wires from one end of the 300 ohm ladder line and fit it into the ladder lock center connector. I cut the flex weave wire into two lengths, 90 feet and 44 feet, and soldered one end of each to one of the bare wires of one end of the ladder line. At the other end of the ladder line, I used wire nuts to connect the bare ends of the ladder line to the connector points on the 4 to 1 ballon. I used a 50-foot length of RG6 coax fitted with PL259 adapters as the antenna feed. One end of the coax plugs into the bottom of the 4 to 1 ballon, and the other end plugs into the back of the transceiver. Like most wire antennas, this antenna works best the higher you can place it in the air. I used two large trees in an open area of the yard for supports. Using a wrist rocket slingshot, I shot a large machine nut across a large branch as high as I could get it on both trees. I attached a piece of polyester rope to the nut and pulled it back to where I was standing. Doing this on both ends, I then attached the rope to the wooden insulators and pulled one side and then the other, hoisting the antenna into the air. I managed to get the whole thing about 30 feet, the minimum that you should try for with any HF antenna. It took me about an hour from start to finish to raise this antenna. 
I set up a small table under the trees nearby and plugged the coax into the back of my IC7300. For a power supply, I used an Expert Power EXP 1270 12-volt 7-amp-hour sealed lead-acid SLA battery. If I were operating a POTA station, I would not want to use this battery. It weighs a little over four and a half pounds. I would use any of the lithium-ion batteries that Thomas Witherspoon K4SWL has reviewed over the years. They weigh considerably less and pack a lot more power. But they cost several times as much. I paid $20, shipping included, for the SLA battery. Hearing is believing. Now, the moment of truth. How would this antenna operate? I turned the rig on and started touring the HF bands. Those on the bands were complaining of poor propagation, atmospheric noise, weak signals. Not an auspicious start. At the time of day that I was setting up just after noon, 10 meters was dead, 15 meters had action, you guessed it, on 21.074. 20 meters was quite sparse, certainly not like field day. I tuned through 80 and 40 meters and found a similar lack of activity. A few nets were in action and occasional individual QSOs were happening. Going back to 15 meters, I saw on the spectrum display that there was a signal on 21,290 kilohertz. Tuning it in, I heard EA8CVZ calling CQ with no response. He had a good signal, 57 on the 7300's S meter. Since no one was responding, I gave my call. He replied immediately, and I found that his location was on a relatively small island in the Canary Islands, 3,500 miles from my QTH. Of course, many EA-8 operators have admirable stations, so it would not surprise me if a powerful station using a stack of mono-band beams aimed in my direction was able to pick up my signal. In my report, I advised that I was running 10 watts into an off-center-fed dipole at 30 feet. He was surprised at the low power and said that he was running 100 watts into a home-built ground-plane antenna cut for 15 meters. He gave me a 5-3 report and complimented the audio. Now I'm ready for field day. OCFD Options in a permanent location, you can increase the effectiveness of this antenna by building an identical second OCFD and lining it up at 90 degrees to the first one. Using a remote antenna switch, you can flip from a north-south to an east-west antenna orientation, a very effective way to increase your signal to receiving stations and work weaker stations you might miss with an antenna orientation only aligned east-west or north-south. MFJ Enterprises has such a remote antenna switch, MFJ4712, for $90 plus shipping. We'll continue this article next time. 
This is the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith. We invite you to please stay tuned for our next program.